We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, you're excited right now. Tell them why. Clippers, tick. Lakers, tick. Bucks, tick. Nets winning the chip. 2020 bubble Nets make it happen. Bubble Nets pull off maybe their most impressive victory. Obviously, they beat the Bucks previous, but they beat the Clippers tonight, and Kawhi Leonard did play. They won 129-120. Big games from Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Tyler Johnson. But before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us Garrett on Garrett Temple, please. Yeah, Garrett Temple, too. Yeah, Garrett Temple, too. Thank iTunes, you. Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, Netsbook.com, Blue Wire Pods, and this episode is presented by DealDash.com. But, Jack, where do we even start here? First quarter, yeah. right? First quarter of where it all began, Nick. I did a mini halftime recap on my Twitter. I, I flooded. Uh, there's probably too much content on my Twitter. <laughs> a lot of line. Jack's face out there tonight. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just showing off the, the, the mush. Why not? But the, the first quarter, Nick, I don't think I've seen this team since we have been recapping the games, recapping the quarters, recapping halves, recapping the players, play a better first half offensive brand of basketball. The execution was goddamn near perfect and yes there were lapses that the Clippers were showing but I think it was at least one of the best 
I can't remember who said it, but it was definitely the best quarter efficiency-wise in the bubble, if not for the season. 45 points, threes were falling. Joe Harris was driving. Karis Avert was having his way. Jared Allen was rebounding the ball. Garrett Temple was doing it on both ends of the floor. It was a near-perfect first quarter, Nick. Yeah, the first quarter was nuts. They were just hitting shots left and right. Obviously, Karis Avert was cooking. Joe Harris was cooking. But like you said, the execution was there, making the extra passes. And if I'm not mistaken, these are the numbers either at the end of the first quarter or right around that. Field goals, 18-21, three-pointers, 8-10. of 10. That was at least one point during the first quarter, just scorching wow. hot. It just really didn't make any sense. But the Nets just really came out in this game with some great energy. And I like the game plan for Jacques Vaughn right from the start. Yeah, um, a lot of credit has to go to Jacques with how he has coached this team. He is just staking his claim for this head coaching job. And the more wins that happen, the more progression we see from these role players and Carol Savert as a distributor. I mean, it's almost, I'm not going to say it, um, but I'm going to say it. It's almost his job to lose in a way, Nick. Yeah, this was a really good tick for his resume. You know, we talked about the other wins and all that stuff, but, like, the Clippers played Kawhi, and they really had interest in winning this game. Obviously, it doesn't mean as much to them. It meant more to the Nets because with this win, I'm pretty sure they clinched the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. Yep. So they do not have to match up with the Bucks, So that's a major plus. And the Nets came out like a team who wanted to win. They wanted to, you know, come out there and set the tone in this game, and I just felt like they did such a great job. And I know we talked about the first quarter, but also Vaughn. I love the adjustments in the second half have too just a really good coach game a lot of good timeouts and just his feel in this one was really good and one thing he did in the fourth quarter that Kenny Atkinson would never do and it would drive me nuts is he would start somebody in the fourth he started Jared Allen early in that fourth and he realized hey I need to get him a break got him on the bench for two minutes and then got him back in the game I felt like that was a really nice adjustment and Allen was such a, a huge role a huge impact in this game and the net success Oh, he was epic, Nick. That lefty hook was, I mean, he didn't expect that to happen. Uh, You know, 16 points, 16 boards, four offensive ones, had four dimes, you know, not necessarily eight, but still four dimes for a center is insane. Two blocks of steal. He was was insane. And uh, I, I put this out before the game today. I want Jared Allen on this team next season. Yeah. I don't care. I want them all on this team next season. Let's <laughs> trade KD and Kyrie. Blow it up. Let's build around Garrett Temple and Tyler Johnson. But in all seriousness, Jared Allen was superb. And he is continuing to grow as a player and show progression and development that all of these guys are. That you can make, you know, stand you could make um a, a an argument for all of these guys stepping forward and playing the best basketball of the season in Orlando right now. It's, I mean, the responsibility being thrust upon him, the the confidence that he's showing, he wants the ball in his hands. He wants to score. He wants to rebound. You can just tell that he loves that starting spot. He was, he was hurt about losing it and now he wants it and he doesn't want to lose it again. Yeah, and it was just a great performance. And two, in terms of his like feel and basketball IQ, he put up the stats. He was aggressive. You mentioned the 16 boards. But he did a nice job in that second half in making himself available for Karis LeVert, especially when they were sending those double teams. He made himself a nice safety valve, and it ended up getting him a couple free easy dunks or some free throws. Yeah, I think that there were a couple of times where Je- where Karasovic made some really quick, nice passes down low because Karasovic just kept drawing the defense and deservedly so. He had like 23, 21 points in the first quarter. So in, in that sort of respect, you know, you have to respect Jared Allen being more comfortable, wanting the ball in his hands. We've talked about before in the past that, you know, we've sort of felt that he was a little bit timid and yep. that 
was just due to the nature of the the place that he felt and the confidence and the the mentality. Being a youngster. He's a he's a young guy. He's twenty two years old. You know, he and he's gonna be a he's gonna be in this league for another decade or so, if not longer. He is he's already starting, and he's starting on a seventh seed, and he, he started. You know, last season as well, when there wasn't a DeAndre Jordan uh, to compete with. So I'm just, a, I'm really happy for him in general. I'm happy for the team in general. And, you know, I know we talked about pre, uh, pre-bubble and Rodion's courts is like, yeah, we're going to take down those Raptors. Uh, and we were sort of scoffed at the idea after, you know, the, the players were dropping like flies uh, because of, you know, injuries and, and coronavirus and such. But Nick. We're taking down the Raptors, mate. I mean, the confidence is definitely, you know, riding high for this team. And just one more note about Jared Allen. I thought he did a solid job on a couple possessions getting isolated with Kawhi Leonard. You know, Kawhi caught him a couple times, but, like, at least he held his own. He didn't get embarrassed, and he forced a few misses. I think that he – and he forced him to take – jumpers contested yep. jumpers you know jared allen has length he has wingspan and he may, he's going to make things difficult we've talked about you know his perimeter defense in previous episodes as well he just looks confident wherever he is on the floor offensively defensively i mean he's he's bridging the gap and uh, i think that he's just understanding what his role and what he can do on the floor on both ends. We all we always know that he is a, a tremendous rim protector, but he's now showing the confidence to to get those switches. And I mean, in in a modern style of defense, switching is going to happen. And Jared Allen is made for it. And I want him on the 2020-21 Brooklyn Nets, Nick. I know it might not happen. I know there might be bigger things planned for Sean Marks and the team, but Jared Allen keeps playing like this. I'm certainly going to savor it as a Nets fan. 100%. And if anything, you know, his you know trade value is skyrocketing, but also just his confidence. It feels like someone told him, like, hey, Jared Allen, you're a really good basketball player. You should, like, showcase that on the court. And it feels like he understood them and he took it to heart and he realized, like, hey, I am actually really good and I can be even so much better if I can continue to work. But let's talk about your boy Joe Harris. Didn't get to play a ton of minutes tonight, but still dropped 25 points, 10 of 16 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3. You know, Harris was just hitting shots that we don't even typically see him take. You know, he had a step back in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> my heart my, <laughs> well um this this t-shirt this long tee that i'm wearing and i've shown on twitter today is not being taken off it is going to reek of jack sweat joe harris i'm, I'm fusing my nature into his nature <laughs> it is a wonderful thing to wear and i feel like that every time i've worn this thing the nets have gone well every time i've worn this joey harris is hitting those buckets but yeah that that step step back three nick that footwork was just like Wow, is Joe Harris now Damian Lillard? I'm just, I just, I haven't seen that from him. And we obviously know how, and we've spoken about on the last episode how he's growing more confident with his left hand. He continued to show that tonight, and he wasn't scared of, you know, uh, Jamichael Green or Ivica Zubac just, or Ivica Zubac down there. He was drawing doubles uh, early on as well, and he was just like, "All right, you guys are going to come at me. I'm going to drive straight at you." It's just like they just. They overplayed him too much, and Joe Harris made them pay on on more than one occasion. You know, only 27 minutes, putting up 25 25 points. He set the tone early on and was a key reason why the Nets were up 21 at the first break. Yeah, I mean, there's a play in the second quarter. He hits Reggie Jackson with a fake, and then he hits uh, Terrence Mann with a, a crossover and then finishes in the lane with a reverse over Landry Shamit. It was just like... Bro. 
great. The combo, he's just he's getting such a great feel for the game and it's expanding so much. And in like in a way, it's almost been a silver lining and a positive for the Nets because we've seen so much growth from guys. Even a guy like Joe Harris, who you might not expect to see him take his game to that next step, getting all these reps and getting so much more responsibility in Orlando has allowed him to do that. And it's only going to benefit him moving forward in his career. We're playing meaningful basketball right now, Nick. We're seeing the quality of basketball in in the bubble right now with the 22 best teams in the NBA. Obviously, the Nets haven't played uh, well in all six of their games. The Kings have been up and down, um, as have the Washington Wizards. But the quality of play is elevating the standard of our own players. And I spoke about in my mini halftime recap that the experience from Team USA is certainly making an imprint on Joe Harris. Being in a high-level competitive environment, getting high-level coaching from the likes of possible future coach Greg Popovich uh, and and the likes of others, and being around competitive, high-level, awesome guys that just have talent oozing out of them. This is just reaping the benefits. And it's not the only thing. It's just, uh, I think it's just reverberating the coaching, the confidence, the camaraderie, the chemistry. I think it's all there. And, you know, you look at behind the scenes videos and you look at the leadership from guys like Garrett Temple and Jamal Crawford, despite him not playing, you can tell that Jamal Crawford's making an impact yeah. on the court. We, we don't necessarily need to speak about him uh, for, for many minutes and, and, and such. But I just think that the... Brooklyn grit, that sort of team and the, the loving atmosphere, the reason why the Ringer NBA is now a net stand Twitter <laughs> page is because of all these things. You know, the guys that we've picked up, Tyler Johnson, Justin Anderson, these guys that are getting those extended minutes, Rodion's Kurtz now is continuing to start and make an impact. Uh, there's not enough good things you can say about this, Ross and Nick and Joe Harris especially. Uh, the headband is unlocked, and a new version of him. Cornrow Harris is gone, <laughs> next level. Uh, it's a, it's a wonderful sight to see in that six and two still in play. Yeah, still in play. And I mean, I'll just say this: Joe Harris is playing the best basketball of his career in Orlando. And like you said, a lot of guys are. But Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday Ticket TV. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0, and it only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up. On top of their other discounts, go to DealDash.com and use the offer code BACKBOARD or DealDash.FM slash BACKBOARD. That's DealDash.FM slash BACKBOARD. Let's talk about Karis LeVert, who dropped 27 points on 10 of 17 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 5 of 8 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, and a career-high 13 assists with only 3 turnovers, had a steal in there, and it was really point guard Karis on display tonight. His feel for the game was next level tonight in comparison to what we saw in the past. 
PG, TLV, <laughs> make it happen. Make a shirt, whoever's out there. You know, I've got a Joe Harris one. Make one for my guy at OTG, Nick. Make it happen, guys. We've got heaps of Nets creators out there, Nets designers. Got to do it. Got to do it. Um, we spoke on the last episode, Nick, about the the skills and the, the tangible things that we would be watching with Carol Savert. We spoke about that passing. And, I mean, we know that all guys in this roster right now they're in their downtime they're looking for, looking for some podcasts to listen to and they're looking for the brooklyn buzz and carol Savert's like man that aussie bloke he's making a lot of sense I'm, i should really up my passing game <laughs> keep that keep that on point you know th- this nick guy man man he's, he's got this slick voice he's he's an expert dude when it comes to this nets analysis carol Savert's listen to my guy and the passing is just you mentioned only three turnovers joe harris had the same turnovers Rudolph's courts had four himself but i think what we're seeing in general is he's setting the tone in terms of bold movement and making his teammates better, like I said in the last episode, and it's reverberating across the the, the rest of the team. I don't know whether it's a, a schematic change from Jacques Vaughan, whether it's a, a, a freedom and independence to allow Carlos Levert to just do his own thing and, and the guys to go out there and play, because it seems to me that we're playing a mildly different... the. The same sort of fundamentals are there from Kenny Atkinson's style in terms of drive, three-pointers, ball movement. But there's also the freedom to take a couple of middies here or there and and show off your own individual expertise. And I think that that's allowing and, and giving the guys confidence to play an even higher brand of schematically sound basketball. And it makes it a little bit harder for the defense. Just things are a little bit more unexpected. When you play a Kenny team, you didn't typically expect any mid-rangers. Now they're going to mix that in. It's going to throw you off a bit. So I agree. I think Vaughn hasn't necessarily changed everything a ton, but there's been a lot of minor adjustments that have really helped. And just talking about Levert, we mentioned this on the last show, how he started to realize, like, hey, I can make my teammates better. I can take advantage of this attention. And tonight was just a great example of that. And there was a play in the fourth quarter. You can find on my Twitter, at OTG Nick, where where Karras takes on a double team, takes it on fully, hits him with a crossover, gets past both of those guys, and then he whips it past the Jared Allen for a dunk. Like, that's a play that he's not making in the past. He might not even made it earlier in the season. But given the bubble and the different experiences he had to handle, he's getting more comfortable taking on this extra pressure and these extra double teams. Um, it's it's a very salient point, Nick. You know, I think the maturity and awareness and game of game awareness, basketball IQ of Carlos is continuing to grow. He, he's still to to round out the discussion and, and make it a somewhat more balanced podcast. He's still making some lapses on the defensive end. He's still trying to force steals where they're probably not there. But I think he's getting better. Yeah. And I, I, sometimes those gambles pay off. Sometimes they don't. And, I mean, you're not going to want to make those gambles 100% of the time when you're going up against uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George if that were to somehow happen in the future. But for tonight, I thought that he was solid. And I think that the rest of the team is playing good individual defense. And it seems to me that Garrett Temple in the starting lineup is making a real impact on that. And I think the communication that is being led by him is really making an impact across the board. He's setting standards. Yeah, and I think the help defense has been a lot better from the Nets in general, where they're a lot more willing to send a double team or come down and dig at somebody in the post when there's a mismatch, where it felt like in the past, you know, Kenny would just kind of allow guys to get abused down there. We saw Jared Allen had to deal with situations where someone would drop 30 and 20 on him, and it was just like, hey, Kenny, where's that double team? And it felt like Vaughn, especially in that second half, was a lot more willing to send them at Kawhi and take the ball out of his hands and force somebody else to make that play or make that pass. 
And uh, that's, that's smart coaching. It's it's another tick for, for Jacques Vaughan in that respect, Nick. But, Nick, we've got to speak about, you know, Garrett Temple. I advocated him right at the start of the episode. 19 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, had a steal, 6 of 14 from the field, 4 of 11 from 3, hit all 3 of his free throws, 37 minutes from him. I thought his defense today was outstanding. Yeah, and I felt like he really stepped up in the fourth quarter and hit two, I want to say two big threes, or maybe it was a three and a layup, whatever it was. He just has kind of a knack for coming up and hitting those big plays or making those big plays when the other team's on a run. And I agree. I think, like, fundamentally, he's helped them a lot. But I wouldn't be surprised if one big reason Garrett Temple's helping the defense is his communication. Like, he's a yep. veteran. He's willing to talk where, you know, Jared Allen might be a little bit more timid at times. Same thing with Rodion's Karras is probably starting to get there. But Temple's a guy that knows what they're doing defensively and understands where guys need to be and letting them know that. You know, you see him talking to players a lot after plays and kind of discussing, like, hey, how can we handle this situation? I think talking is a skill in basketball, Nick. I yeah. think that you look at even agitators like Patrick Beverly, these sort of guys, it's a version of a skill. You know, it's obviously not length and shooting or whatever, but if you can talk, you can elevate yourself as a basketballer with your showing your IQ and making your teammates better in that respect. And there were plays tonight where the Nets showed lapses or the Clippers showed just good, their good offense, but good defense. And you could tell Garrett Temple was pissed. You know, he wanted to just, he, he wanted this game probably more than any other guy out there. I just, I'm loving the mentality of him. And we've heard, certainly had differing opinions and, and up and down opinions of him uh, on this podcast before, but I put out on, on, on Twitter as well at the JMN JBT that I think he needs to be a net next season. And I would be very surprised if he isn't. We know that he has um, Kyrie Irving advocated to get him to this team. If he's going to continue to play this level of defense, he's your perfect sort of fifth starter. You know, he's guarding Kawhi Leonard. He's guarding the wings. You know, he might be a shooting guard, but he plays up a level. He's strong. He can hit the three, and he can. He doesn't mind having the ball in his hands. You know, we saw um, uh, Karras and, and Chioza get guarded full court a lot of the time from Terrence Mann uh, and, other, and other players in the second half, and you could see Garrett Temple was supporting them. You could see Tyler Johnson was supporting them. And I think, you know, I can't say enough good things about how well Garrett Temple has performed in the bubble. He has just been reflective of this team, and it seems to me that he... Uh, uh, having a second vet with Jamal Crawford in there almost allows you to sort of communicate to another person who's on a similar level, who has the same level of NBA experiences. Like, all right, we're doing these sort of things on the defensive end and the offensive end. JC, what do you think about this? And to bounce off that, because overall, yes, Jared Allen has had, you know, four years of, of a career. Rodos Kouris is, isn't a rookie anymore. Joe Harris has been around the wings. Karis Avert has been around the wings as well but they don't have the personality to just be flat-out leaders. They're not just... And that's not a bad thing. I think that it, you're leading by collective and you have your veterans sort of uh, stepping up where, where it needs to be on the defensive communication, on the offensive side of the ball. You're instilling wisdom into these guys so that they eventually become the Garrett Temple that we need in years to come. Yeah, I mean, the veteran presence is huge. Considering the age of the roster and having so many new pieces, having a guy that understands what Vaughn wants to do on both sides of the ball is a huge boost. But me, you mentioned Tyler Johnson, who hit some giant shots Bruh. in that fourth quarter. I think he Bruh. had 13 points. He had the dagger, 21 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 5 of 9, 4 for 4 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 1 assist. Really liked what I saw from Tyler Johnson tonight. Uh, TJ, 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 what can I say, my friend? <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, my guy. He is the today's game. We spoke about in the scrimmages, and it's just like, all right, lock this guy up, get him on that vet minimum. Man, Sean Marks, but I think it helps a lot when you feel like you're wanted. 
Yep. And it seems to me that Tyler Johnson has heard from Jacques Vaughn, has heard from Sean Marks that you're going to play. We're going to want you on this team. We want you to contribute. And you're going to be part of lineups where we're going to need you to step up. And, you know, I thought that him individually tonight was just hitting his three ball. It was something that when we discussed the signing was was essentially, like with a lot of players on this team, going to be the swing factor for him being an effective guy in the rotation or being an ineffective guy in the rotation. And for me, I don't know what his percentage is overall in the, 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 the six games or so right now, but this, the, the, the mechanics look good. The confidence looks good. And to me, that's all I need. You know, I, I like seeing the lefty three. He's splashing them and he's just making the right plays and he's... I'm liking lineups with him and Chioza as well, having two ball handlers. They seem to be developing this sort of nice, innate chemistry together. Tyler Johnson, when Joe Harris was was um, unfortunately fouled out, was the guy that sort of had to sub in. And he just made it work, man. He, he Big plays from TJ. And again, another guy I want on this team next season. Get him on, get him in the deep part of the rotation. Get him on the vet minimum. Give him what you can. Uh, Joe Sy, dig deep into those pockets. We'll start a GoFundMe, whatever it needs to be. TJ with those uh, curls, get the girls. Uh, keep them on the team. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Tyler Johnson. He didn't necessarily shoot great to start the bubble, but in his last two games, 7 of 14 from the field. So 50% from three, looking really confident, looking very smooth. And we've mentioned it on previous shows. As that secondary creator, he's not a bad option to have out there because there's a couple opportunities where he saw, hey, I have Lou Will and no one's protecting the rim. Let me drive and get a shot up. There was even one play in the fourth quarter. He got past Kawhi and no one met him at the rim, so he had an easy finger roll. So just like kind of capitalizing on those opportunities, being smart and having that feel for the game. Yeah, and I think that, again, he's a guy that's been around the wings. He's earned that sort of big contract. Thank you, Sean Marks, for that. (laughs) And he just knows how to make the right plays, when to make the right plays. He's he's basketball IQ, especially on the offensive end. You know, he's pesky enough on the defensive end, but he's really making an impact on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, the the Nets have needed him. You know, they, they have needed him. 30 minutes tonight for him. You know, it's... It's weird to see uh, these elevated minutes uh, for Brooklyn Nets players when you're like Carol Severt at 35, Garrett Temple 37, Jared Allen 38, uh, Rodion's Court's 31. When we're used to Kenny Atkinson giving guys like no more than 32, we were going uh, in the pre bubble season uh, predictions for the podcast about how many minutes do we think are going to get here. And, you know, we didn't necessarily expect this to happen. Tyler Johnson playing 30 minutes. You know, if you had told me that, in, in the, I would have been like, oh, what's happening here if Tyler Johnson's playing 30 minutes? I don't know how we're going to be going. But 4-2, and two, and he's making game-winning plays? Yes, please. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be one of the Nets' top six, top seven players at this point. So yep. it makes good reason to kind of deserve, uh, earn those minutes. Another guy we mentioned, Rodion's a little bit before. Not necessarily his best game. The one uh, thing that stuck out in a negative way was that turnover in the fourth quarter where he just tried to force the cross-court pass. Kawhi intercepted and got the dunk. But there is some nice activity, and it is a big learning experience for Rodion's. And he did have four assists tonight, which is a nice plus. Yeah, and, and five boards, including two offensive ones. You know, he's providing energy. To, and a lot of the games that we would have said in, in the earlier points of this season, Nick, where he was making turnovers and making bad plays, he would have just been subbed off and we wouldn't yep. have seen him for, for any parts of the game. But Jacques Vaughn let him play through his mistakes. And that's what you need guys to do. You need them to realize that, look, you've got to put this mistake behind you and you've got to be ready for that next play. You know, you have to have a short memory as an NBA basketballer or, or as any sportsman for that matter. And I thought that despite the fact that he was the only Brooklyn Nets starter to be negative in the plus minus, I thought he was still a positive on the floor. Just purely for his presence. He he just jumped like 
there aren't there are a few guys who have the athleticism on, on much athleticism on this roster right now. And Rodion's Kurtz just jumps for those boards and he, he snatches them at the put back dunk tonight. The putback dunk was awesome. You know, just sneaking from from the from the perimeter to, to get that one in. You know, it, it, the box score might not be outstanding, and you know, obviously he didn't hit all of his threes and and, and whatever you want to say. But uh, again, uh, effective on both ends of the floor despite the mistakes. Yeah, you can see the improvements. It's just there's cleanup there, but the positive is a lot of the cleanup is things he can correct. And he has the body type, like you mentioned, the athleticism and the energy and the effort is there. It's just kind of a learning experience. And there's a couple times you saw him talking to Temple. You saw him talking to Vaughn, even Karis Avert, just trying to help him and learn those things and what he can do to be a little bit better. And I think it's really paying off getting him these minutes because – at the very least, it's essentially a tryout for Sean Marks to see, like, hey, is Rodion's a guy that can have a role in this team next year? Is he a possible forward we can play? Or is that a position we need to upgrade and maybe we have to look to move him? So I think that's it's a real plus for the franchise from that perspective, too. Oh, absolutely. I think all of these guys are playing for themselves, but are also playing for the team. It just seems to me that they don't necessarily care if they're not going to be on the roster with each other next season. They're making the most of this experience. And I mentioned that on the last pod with Matt, um, Sean Mark speaking about the, the camaraderie and the time they've spent together. We love the, the Brooklyn family vibes, and they're certainly bringing that to the Orlando, Orlando bubble experience. Nick... Do you want to do you want to go with the good or the bad? Give me good or bad, and I'll I'll tell you which way we're going to go next. I'll just tell you one more thing on the just the 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 note of everyone playing. Yep. It's just an opportunity for guys that they might never get again in their career. Like you know so, what I mean? They might never get an opportunity to play thirty minutes in a meaningful basketball game. But I guess hit me with the good first. Let's go with Chris Chiosa, Nick. I thought that his minutes tonight, I. I'm more confident in his offense. You know, yeah. we're always going to get the the assist from him. Five assists in only 18 minutes of play. That's the sort of number of minutes that I'm comfortable with Tyler Johnson. Yep. With, I mean, it's essentially who's who's performing and making an impact more. Is it Tyler Johnson or is it Chris Chioza? And whoever is, you give those extended minutes to. Tonight, it was Tyler Johnson. He was the one hitting the threes. He led the team in threes with Joe Harris hitting five of them. So I, I thought that both of them, like I mentioned earlier, had a nice tandem. I thought Chris Chioza, that one like floater, that, that strength that he showed, I'm like, all right, Chris, you, you can do your thing. And despite the fact that um, he's now referred to uh, a cured Italian sausage, <laughs> uh, according to Chauncey Billups, um, give me all the cheese, give me all the chorizo you got, because uh, I'm hungry for more. Yeah, you can see the improvements, especially offensively, getting a better idea when to pick his, pick his spots. There's still occasionally times where I feel like he forces it, especially in transition yeah. where he kind of thinks he can outbeat or outrun everybody. And just like, she goes, even if you get there, you're, you know, you're missing six inches on these guys. So I think that's an area where he can improve. But you, I have to agree with the passing and just like setting up things sometimes. And he's like almost a matchup dependent player because there's going to be times where you just can't really play him because teams are going to kind of attack him. They have so many versatile forwards that can score and tonight it was just like hey if we keep him out there too long he's going to end up you know post-ups against Marcus Morris or Kawhi Leonard or even having to deal with like Lou Willis a tough matchup for him being so undersized yeah for sure and and I thought that the minutes that he was out there you know he he used them well and you know again plus eight you know we don't necessarily look too much into the plus minus but when it reflects on how we think that they've played it shows that he was an effective player in the minutes that he was given uh, Nick, we got two more guys in the rotation. We're going with Justin Anderson, uh, our favorite Nolan Jensen, Stan, or are we going with uh, TLC, whose waterfalls uh, were not so powerful tonight? 
Yeah, I guess let's go with the negative one. We went good, go negative, and then go good again. So we'll go with TLC. You know, three points, one of three from the field. Those six fouls fouled out, four rebounds, two assists, only could play 16 minutes to the fouls. And I know you didn't like it. I didn't like it. Those fouls he gave at the end of the second quarter, I think, were just terrible. And they cost him an opportunity to play in this game, to be honest, because if he doesn't get those, hey, you're probably playing more minutes and there's an opportunity for you to perform well. But he limited himself tonight. Yeah, those eight minutes probably go to him or, you know, probably get distributed across him, Chioza, and Johnson. And, you know, this was not a good performance. This is probably the worst game that we've seen TLC play, including the scrimmages. And it was because he was making mistakes defensively. You know, he was just giving away ticky-tacky fouls. He wasn't showing awareness. He wasn't showing um, the, the, the confidence and intelligence that he has shown. And, you know, obviously he did hit the three ball and that is nice. And, and I think that it was timely as well. You know, if he's not necessarily lights out at 25 points, 24 points or whatever on the offensive end, then he's got to be making defensive plays. And he wasn't doing either tonight. Yeah, and I think TLC getting on the floor, he's getting on the floor probably for his defensive effort. The offense is going to come and go. He's not an elite three-point shooter. We've seen it. It's been streaky. Same thing with kind of the layup pack and some of the mid-range stuff. It's like, hey, if you're going to stay on the floor, you need to play good defense. And the first thing that you have to do is play fundamental defense. you got to talk to Garrett Temple, learn how to get yourself in position, and avoid those ticky-tacky fouls, and really just show the refs your hands. And sometimes it's not necessary. You're not going to probably get the steal. I know you want to put the extra pressure on the guy, but sometimes just keeping verticality and contesting the shot in a not the most dynamic way still carries value. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's get to Mr. Anderson then. Um, obviously, because of the the fouling out for TLC and Joe Harris later on in in, in the ball game, Justin Anderson was able to 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 get out there, and I liked that Jacques Vaughn threw him out there over Lance Thomas, Jeremiah Martin, Dante Hall, whoever else, because I thought his intangible energy was just there. You know, he hit that three ball, which looked nice. He was rebounding the ball well. Four boards in eight minutes is is great. And two blocks as well. He looked sound defensively. He's, he, it's, I think it's, uh, it's hard for role players more than any in, in the NBA to just be ready and be active and be engaged and be effective in a small amount of time. So I give massive props and kudos to Justin Anderson for doing the right things on both ends of the floor and playing his style and impacting with his style. Yeah, I thought he played really well. Like you said, Jack, it's incredibly difficult to sit on the bench an entire half and then come in the game and then play. And he hit his three, had yep. those big boards, and he played really good defense. And I think the physicality that he provided was huge because we talked about it. The this Clippers have a lot of post-up guys or a lot of versatile forwards, you know, talking Marcus Morris, Kawhi Leonard, Drew Michael Green, and even Patrick Patterson was out there for a little too. So, like, having a guy like Anderson who can deal with some of those bodies if he gets switched on, I think just alleviates some of the load. And he, he had his hops in tonight with those two blocks, and he got up real high for one of those boards, which was crucial in the fourth quarter. It was. It was. I think rebounding is underrated, and uh, we're rebounding the ball really well in the bubble. It seems to me that it, that seems to be a real focal point, and I'm loving it. I always love rebounding performances because it's basically the only thing I can do if I was on an NBA court, uh, to, be, <laughs> to, to be fair. But, Nick, this game was – it. it I, I, I got hyped. I, I was hyped. Yeah. Um, I, I love the – Check I his Twitter. <laughs> I need to yeah, check out at the J-Man JBT. There's uh, maybe a few expletives that I haven't 
uh, communicated on this show because, you know, there might be some kids listening. And exactly. wherever you are around the world, <laughs> I'm going to keep things PG. I am also an educator, so i got to make sure that I keep things a, a little level pegging because um, if people check my Twitter profile, then, man, I don't know if I'll ever get a job again. But if it means <laughs> that the Nets, Nets keep winning basketball games, I don't need a win because the Nets wins give me life. Well, Jack, like, how do you feel about, we didn't, we kind of mentioned it earlier on, but the Nets clinched the seventh seed with the bubble Nets. Like, they're missing so many players. We're talking Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Spencer Dewey, DeAndre Jordan, Wilson Chandler, Torian Prince. And this group was literally thrown together within a month. They've had maybe two weeks of practice, not even that, because some guys were still doing their quarantine. How incredible is it that this team clinched the seventh seed over a team like Orlando? Yes, Jonathan Isaac was out, but they're still substantially more talented. The Nets were able to do this. Put some respect on their name. Yeah. The Brooklyn Nets have not been getting enough respect in general. They're the afterthought because of you look at, oh, the Milwaukee Bucks game. Oh, they, they didn't play Giannis. They didn't play Chris Middleton. They played them for a half of basketball, and that's when the Brooklyn Nets were right in the game. You know, yeah. Dante Hall was making you know, Giannis cry like a baby. Greek freak, my butt. Um, I would have said something <laughs> a lot worse there. Uh, <laughs> but to solidify a seventh seed with this roster, Nick, is one of the great performances of any team in the Orlando bubble right now. You see the Portland Trailblazers doing everything, but they're doing it with because they've got two of their best players back in their rotation. They have their starting power forward and their starting center back. We're doing it with Tyler Johnson, Timothy Luau Cabro, Justin Anderson, and Jamal Crawford, Lance Thomas, Jeremiah Martin, these guys. And Chris it's not going to be Chris Chioza. It's not going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be up and down. But if you had given me four and two for this Brooklyn Nets team, and after six games, I would have said, you're goddamn crazy. I'm taking it to the bank, Nick, because we're seeing great performances, great team camaraderie, great coaching. And yes, we're not going to take it up to the Toronto Raptors, but I'm going to stick with Rodion Kurtz, and I'm saying that we goddamn are. We're taking it to seven games. I think Fred Van Vliet is going to shallow. He's going to, you know, cry into his wings. He's going to see to his twin, Chris Chioza. <laughs> he's going to need, need to have another baby because Chris Chioza is going to be out playing him. Kyle Lowry's fat butt is going to be on the floor. He's going to keep taking charges from CLV. And they're going to be blocking fouls because he's going to be on his butt that much. Joe Harris is going to be shooting threes over Serge Ibaka. You know, he's going to need his scars. He's going to need to wrap him around his neck nice and tight because they're, they're going to be strangling him on the floor. Um, I'm talking out my ass a little right now, Nick, but I'm hyped, mate. I'm hyped. You got to be. I mean, this team is really just outperforming expectations, outperforming their talent level to such, you know, a huge extent. And we talked about it. Like, this is one of the weakest rosters in Orlando, but they have not been one of the weakest teams in Orlando. And maybe the only other team that you could say is, you know, impressing more overperforming their talent would be the Phoenix Suns. But still, they're just kind of getting healthy and they have a lot of their guys on the court that they played with this season. The Nets are really just a bunch of guys that got put together this month and have to play. And they're playing a really high level of basketball. And I just can't say it enough. Jock Vaughn has done an amazing job coaching this unit. And obviously, I don't know if that's going to lead to him getting the job, but it's definitely going to help his coaching resume down the line if he doesn't land this Nets job. Uh I said this in the last podcast that if he's not a head coach at some point in the NBA, and I know that if we get Ty Lue or Pop, he might not be part of this organization, but Jacques Vaughn has shown that he has learned from his mistakes and, and learned from the experience in Orlando, and he's learned from his assistant coaching uh, in, in Brooklyn, and it's you know just impacted how he communicates with players. You know, on and off the court, we've spoken glowingly of everything that he's been doing off the court, educating this team in the matters that do matter. You know, 
beyond everything, we obviously are losing our minds about the, the on-court product, but off the court, what I'm seeing from Jacques Vaughan is what's really sticking out to me as an educator, as a leader. And that's something that I think speaks volumes in terms of what he's doing to keep forwarding the momentum uh, that the, the NBA is currently trying to instill, the Brooklyn Nets are trying to instill um, with the, the, the social injustices that have been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years in America and worldwide, uh, mind you. So I can't say enough good things about Jacques Vaughn on and off the court. And I, I, I know that, you know, it's, it's it's funny how quickly things can change in this league, Nick. You know, we were talking about a few episodes ago, it's just like, yeah, Jacques Vaughn's probably going to be that interim guy. And then as things start to trickle out, you know, you see Woj saying that, you know, Jacques Vaughn's going to be given every every chance to to stake his claim. How much is it going to really make an impact? Which is like, nah, look, it's Ty Lue, it's, it's, it's Greg Popovich, it's, it's Phil Handy, it's these other guys waiting in the wings. But the way that Jacques Vaughn's coaching right now, Obviously, you're going to have a completely different roster next season, but I can see him providing the, the level of freedom and independence to Kevin Durant, to Kyrie Irving, while also being the player-friendly coach because that's what we sort of know the style of sort of Ty Lue, is, Ty Lue was slash is in, in Cleveland the year that they won the chip. You know, he, he's doing all the right things. And I think that I'll... I love being a Brooklyn Nets fan, Nick, because I love being uh, under the radar. I love not getting the attention and not getting the headlines because it, it only makes me more motivated to, to to put outlandish things on Twitter and say outlandish things on an awesome and fun podcast we've been doing for years on end. Keep, keep sleeping on us because uh, you'll be waking up soon. And when you wake, you'll have number seven, you'll have number 11, and you'll have number 12. You have yeah, those three. <laughs> yeah, you'll have those guys to face. Yeah, and and you'll be who whichever NBA fan you are, you'll be wishing you were still asleep because you'll you'll be awake, but you'll be in a nightmare. Yeah, okay, Jack. Where did I go with that? What the hell was going on? <laughs> well, just Where... to touch on the Jock Vaughn stuff you mentioned off the court that I thought was really important. I think just to say this is he's just a great representation of the franchise, the organization, and the things that he does, especially, like you said, with all the social issues that are going on right now. Vaughn is a guy you want in that position, being able to communicate with the players. Now, getting to some of the more of the NBA coaching stuff, I agree. He seemed like a guy that has really communicated well with his players, has put them in position to succeed, and is trying to get the most out of their team talent you know we've seen probably more dribble handoffs with joe harris and jared Allen that we've seen in the past or just getting joe yeah. more touches or maybe it's Karis avert not having to deal with the blitzes i'm going to get him some touches in the post and things like that and even probably infusing other guys with confidence like Rodion's to shoot more threes or whatever it might be so i think vaughn right now is everything is trending up in the right direction for him but jack any final thoughts before we get out of here i wanted to touch on the dribble handoffs thing that you mentioned nick Having the ball, this is going to seem very simplistic. Having the ball in your hands, and, and it just does something, I feel. And I feel like that Jared Allen just getting the ball, dishing it off, he's screening incredibly. I've always, you know, he got one offensive foul on a screen that I thought was just goddamn dog shit, to be honest. But he continues to show that he is just looking for growth and improvement and he knows that these are the things that Jared Allen can do. It's not something that he's he's limiting him to to rim running and offensive boards, which in a way Kenny Atkinson did do. He wanted him to be like a three-point shooter, but it seems to me that Jacques Vaughn is unlocking a different style of Jared Allen because obviously if Kenny Atkinson were in the same situation, maybe we, we would see that out of him because we saw that out of him when it was Karis Avert just being able to go off against the Boston Celtics. He sort of just instilled him and just went, Karis, you do your thing. So 
I'm not necessarily saying that it's a it's a contest between Kenny and Jacques, but if we're focusing on Jacques Vaughn, I also have a similar name. My my full name, J A C Q U E, is very similar to our current head coach. So I'm going to stand for the man because uh, it's a good name. He's a good coach. I like the point about the dribble handoffs, Jack. I think getting Jared Allen the ball in his hand and getting touches and making moves with the basketball, it just makes you have a better feel for the game. It makes you feel more involved. And I think it just is an area where just so difficult to defend when you have a guy like Joe Harris and he has that chemistry with Jared Allen on those plays where they know where each other are really going to be. And we're talking about inches or maybe even they're rubbing bodies when they're doing that dribble handoff just to create that extra space for Joe where, hey, either you have to you know, overplay me to defend defend the three ball and then I'm going to have my driving lane or if you don't overplay me I'm going to be able to take a contested three and being one of the best three-point shooters in the league I'm going to probably hit that and I also like using a lot of action between Joe Harris, Karasovar and Jared Allen. Making all three of those guys involved in the play just makes it a little bit more difficult for the defense to decide where they're going to go and what they're going to do with each guy. Get it just get the put the ball in your best player's hands it seems simple uh, but John coaches don't do it enough. Coaches don't do it enough. They don't instill. Obviously, there are aches. There's plenty of mouths to feed, as the saying goes. But right now, um, there's plenty of things that Javon is doing well. And his game feel, his coaching, his individual player coaching, his team coaching. Um, obviously, there's still games to go in this bubble. And there will be probably some criticism that we do throw his way and the player's way. But as of this point now, it's a, it's a tick across the board. There aren't many people... Be it players, be it coaches, be it Jacques Vaughn, be it whoever. Um, they're all doing great things in Orlando right now. And these are, you know, we talked about sort of Kevin Durant and, and he's sort of saying, you know, winning habits, championship habits. I think that they're learning a few of them right now in Orlando, Nick. Even if they aren't going to necessarily win a championship, they're playing going to be playing playoff basketball against a, a championship contender. And they're playing in a high-level environment, as I mentioned to you earlier, that instills and, and, and causes you to lift your game against the, the best players in the world because uh, these are the best of the best. Yeah, it's forcing you to take your skill level to that next level. And then also, like you said, Jack, being in these pressure situations is so huge, especially going forward where this team wants to be. But I think that wraps it up for today. As always, a pleasure, Jack. Hyped about this Nets win. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsBlog.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams at events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline has sat down with former pro athletes Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they have to say on what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.